Hello and welcome to Northwestify with myself, John Terry, and Zach Giorgio. Today we have Nick Rowe on the show. Say hello, Nick. Hello all. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, as you know, a Northwest Fire, we talk about business and tech, and who better to talk to than Nick? Nick, I don't really want to use the word veteran. I hate the word, but I've been doing this for, for longer than, than a few of us. Um, so I'm really, really keen to talk to you today and find out about your experience and what you've learned. But can we start off with doing something a bit different, a bit left field? You maybe tell us something um, about yourself that not many people know. It's a tough one, that. Yeah. Um, couple of things. I've never watched a single film of Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, or Star Wars, ever. Okay, can we just and end I have no interest right in there? <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing, I've, I've represented Stockport uh, Rugby at Twickenham, oh, which wow. was a very proud moment. Yeah, so that was good. Um, that's pretty much it to it. I'm, I am a fairly open book, to be honest. Yeah, there's, not, there's not too much a lot of people don't know about me. As, as a techie, I got all the way to my like mid-twenties without having seen Star Wars, much to the shock of a lot of other techies. And I've still not seen any of Lord of the Rings. So I kind of, I think I know where you're coming from. That's, what really, that's really interesting. So um, Nick, do you want to just tell us a bit about Platform 81? It's been going for, I said, a few years. You started in 2007? Yeah, so we were actually um, uh, incorporated in 2007, uh, but our yeah. first trading day was, uh, uh, well, the 4th of January 2008. Okay. Just as, the re- just as the recession was kicking in, we thought, what a great thing to do, let's set up a business. <laughs> um, I mean, initially we were purely, uh, me and my business partner, Alec, were purely a, a marketing consultancy. Uh, both marketing qualified, we were basically going into businesses to consult on, the, on how, to, how to improve their sort of image and brand from a marketing perspective. Um, to help deliver that, we work with a lot of freelancers from graphic design, web design, et cetera, et cetera. And we came to the quick realization that we were sort of giving away a lot of work and it was becoming very frustrating dealing with numerous freelancers. Now, freelancers are great, but, you know, it's, it, it can be frustrating working with, with numerous of them all at once. So we basically decided to set up our own sort of full, full service agency. Um, so we brought in Gary, who is... Uh, now co-owner of the business, he's um, sort of experienced in uh, and expertise in in web and and design, which is quite quite unique. So it really really helps us sort of get a foothold and really push forward from uh, able to deliver both print design and web design as well. That was useful. Um, and yeah, and then since we've really sort of grown, um, we used to outsource some stuff, but now everything is done in house. Um, as of this Monday, just gone, we've just employed two more uh, developers. So that takes our development team to six. Um, and that fundamentally, that is purely down to the increased level of work that we've, that we've had over the last few months. From a graphic design point of view, we've got two designers who focus on branding uh, and print design. We also do, obviously, the, um, the website design side of things as well. So everything that, that we produce is, is all done in-house. Um, and then with the support services of, of, of the social team, the pay-per-click team and the SEO team. So you've been doing this from the experience and background of marketing and you brought in your co-founder who's got this sort of design and technical side. Do you think that's been important to have that seniority within the business from day one? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I mean, it's also good to have a, have a marketing angle because it's fundamentally everything that we do has got to work. It's all about conversion fundamentally. You know, so it's, it's great that it looks amazing, but if people aren't actually engaging, having the, the, the seniority, um, you know, it's been useful, but I'm very much, my management staff is very much let people sort of 
uh, give them autonomy to run their teams and to make key decisions themselves. Obviously, with 100% support, uh, and I suppose encourage people to make mistakes that they will not to make again. <laughs> I find it, you know, obviously you've been going for for 13 years now, Nick. Um, obviously, by the sounds of it, from what you're saying, quite elite sports rugby representing England. You've sort of done sports at a high level. I wish it was England. <laughs> well, <laughs> Stockport, sorry. Yeah. I <laughs> still, still, still within the county, you're probably at a high yeah. level, aren't you? The next amount of people that are there. Um, how do you feel that things have changed in business over the year? Do you think your sports background, your sort of probably competitive edge, you know, sees you, helps you in business, gives you a competitive advantage? It's, it's an interesting question. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the whole rugby side of things it has been really useful because the, the whole teamwork element, and you know, you never want to let down your teammates. And whether that's your team in the office or a team of clients, you want to make sure you can do the best job possible. I mean, and the rugby club itself has been really useful to me because I've got a lot of friends there. I've got a lot of clients there as well. I mean, it's interesting, like my nephew, he's seven years old and he was a bit of a, a bit of a terrag at school. He was, he took up rugby and suddenly within weeks is, is a totally changed little lad. You know, he's, he's well behaved and, you know, so it's, it's just, it's just bringing that discipline. I think is very, very important. Yeah. And I think, you know, I see it quite a lot. You know, I talk very much about, uh, you know, anywhere that starts off a business immediately taps up the network. You know, that's sort of how you, your start point as of such. Uh, and I think that really does help you through initially whilst you're building that particular business. But I've seen it with a lot of successful business people, and not all, but a lot of successful business people. You know, they have competed at sports at a certain level. Even though Recruit Up The Road, that recruits probably loads and loads of people that have come from a sports background that have been successful, but not quite made it, because obviously there's very, very few. So it's quite interesting, that sort of piece and whether or not there was the spin on that for you in respect to it helped you over the years because there's so many agencies isn't there in regards to what you do in, in Manchester in the northwest for you to be going as long as you're in and successfully growing and the way that you're growing it I mean that's just fantastic so yeah I appreciate it you know but, but you're right the network for us is crucial all our work 95% of all our work is, is done through our network whether that's going to networking events whether that's just having you know a network at the rugby club a network outside work a network within the industry what we're trying to do more of is work with other agencies as well right. obviously myself and, um, and, and John you know, have passed opportunities to each other I think it's very very important that, that what's the phrase one man's feast is another, one man's crumbs another man's feast sort of thing let's just make sure that we can all work together and ensure that that end result is exactly what the client needs whether it's us delivering it or John delivering it or the XYZ down the, down the road delivering it, as long as that client's got what they need, that's, you know, and if we've been involved at all, I think that's our job done. Yeah, I'm a great believer in that because, you know, we will place every single requirement, but at the end of the day, if somebody else does it, and, and as long as we've done a good job, you know, passed on somebody, supported them in a certain way, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's, sometimes I say to my guys, if you're not going to be successfully placed in that particular role, just make sure you fail successfully. I think it's yeah, a lot totally. to be said for that. Because you never know. I mean, in the past, we've not won work, but we've been referred to by that particular client to somebody else because they know we are good, but for whatever reason, we didn't get that particular project. So, you know, I suppose it's always trying to be the best you can be. Never know where business is going to come from. Yeah, and I just want to bring back to like Nick's point about networking because that's how we met. It was just at the start of the pandemic and I was networking via LinkedIn and we bumped into each other. And I think it's just, you know, to, to put it out there, Nick was very generous with his time immediately when we first met and... We start, you know, we just had a, I've done networking via LinkedIn and Zoom all since March. 
Um, but Nick, when Nick and I connected on LinkedIn, it was quite different. And we, it was just quite an open, like, a peer-to-peer conversation about business owners and the, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and it was great, you know. And then I, I suppose as the trust builds up quite quickly and we got to that point where we feel like we could collaborate on pieces, which we did, didn't we? We sort of put, we put joint proposals forward for a couple of things. Um, and I think that's, that's something we need to see more of in our region and in our industry. I think... I- yeah, I was just going to say, and I think it's, it's, it's an interesting, I know we sort of, you know, we, we, we've deferred onto this topic quite a lot, but it's interesting because I don't think we've touched on it massive amounts in the past on our podcast. And it's quite interesting that, that it's sort of been brought up by Nick in the rugby club and stuff like that. But even when we started our business, you know, one of the, one of the sort of plays that I had in my head was I'd watched a lot of other recruiters go out there and say, for example, a friend of mine, he does data science and he does it globally. But that's all he does. Really, really specific niche, and he does it globally. Whereas I thought to myself, what I wanted to do was I wanted to become specialist in IT technology, but in Manchester and the Northwest predominantly. Because this is where I was born. This is where I was brought up and stuff like that. But for me, the key there was I've got a network here. I know the area. I understand what's going on. People will refer me and so on. And that's how I wanted to sort of build our reputation. And that's basically what we achieved. And then from there, if it spirals out, it spirals out. But ultimately, there's still huge amounts of opportunity as long as you use that network correctly and you support each other. And the one thing that we talked about on a previous podcast uh, several years ago was the whole several years about a year ago should I say was the whole London Manchester thing is Manchester turning into a mini London and stuff like that and I think specifically we mentioned John if I remember rightly that the one great thing about Manchester is it's still small enough for people to network and support each other and look after each other and there's still that nice feel whereas in London it's it's a lot more you know it's not as niche and tight as that um, and I think Nick, again, I'm just coming back to that one of those early conversations we had, and I think I was putting a proposal together, and you were giving me some some uh, tips on you know dealing with maybe challenging clients or clients that maybe that weren't as invested as I thought they were, if if you like, in in, in what they were doing. Like they had this great idea, and they'd get you doing the legwork, right, running yeah, yeah. around after them putting proposals. I suppose have you got any war stories of challenging clients that you're able to share? That, um, that wouldn't put anyone's jobs yeah, in. Yeah, no names, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I suppose in a way, every, every client brings a different challenge. The, the way we try and operate is that we are as flexible as we want to be in terms of a client can be involved every single step of the way. We can literally tell them every single button we're pressing and every single colour we're changing. Or sometimes the brief is, go away and do what you think is right, which in a way is more difficult because... Even if they say they don't really have an idea of what they want, everyone has a preconceived idea of what they want. So if we go back and we sort of give them what we think is right and you know, based on a very limited brief, it can be quite difficult. But yeah, I mean, telltale signs of, of, of the challenges are, you know, the first conversation is very much money-based. If people are talking about budgets literally from the first conversation you have, then it's, it's always quite awkward and you know it's going to be very, very difficult, especially when the budget's quite small. I appreciate, I mean, we've all started businesses and, you know, budgets are, are small early on. So we have a set of products that can help deliver a great um, end result for a, a limited budget. But when money becomes like the sticking point early on, you know, you sort of set up for a bit of a, a rocky road ahead. Um, also, I suppose people who come to us, I know exactly what I want, again, can be problematic because... 
what they, because a lot of people are marketing people. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone has an opinion on a color. Everyone has an opinion on a, on, on a layout. From our perspective, especially in the web world, is that we need to make sure that we can deliver what the client wants, but also that it actually works as a website because it, it can look fantastic, but if no one goes to it, it's a complete waste of time, fundamentally. Yes. No, so but also those clients who say they've been on a Google AdWords course, that's always quite challenging. Because, you know, a little, a little bit of knowledge is, is problematic, you know, because yeah. suddenly people think they're professionals and they know exactly what they're doing. We've got our guys who have been 10 years trained in AdWords, et cetera, and a quick sort of um, podcast, one-hour crash course is what our clients have seen, and then it causes all a few problems, really. But uh, You mean a bit like COVID and all the doctors that have appeared over the past? Expert. So Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, vaccines well, are rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> your, your Google search does not replace my medical degree. I mean, <laughs> it must be the same for everyone thinks they're a marketing, not expert, but you know, knowledgeable. They're watching the the John Lewis Christmas and, and you, know, cr- you know, critiquing it and saying this and this and this. But you're not, you're not a market, you know, and as you say, what works on the web, for example, and what's considered fresh and what's considered dated and not everyone's aware of those things. And Exactly. Yeah, exactly that, you know, and it, it, it is hard because, especially an owner-managed business is even more difficult because they are the marketing director, they are the finance director, they are everything. So, so they are very, very precious and uh, about what they think they want and what. So what we tend to do, in fact, we've had a project this morning that we've been sent the branding for a project and we said, okay, we could probably tweak it a little bit. So we sent them back free of charge, just a bit like what one of our guys spent half an hour just refining it. In our opinion, it's, it delivers the objectives far better, you know, because we've got guys who, who are trained and skilled in what they do. It's what they do for a living fundamentally, you know. So it is difficult when you get in, opinion comes into it understandably but it can also override actually what the objective is going to be yeah and i think it's interesting you mentioned the price thing because i think you know what tends to happen is in any walk of life for that matter we've all been there when a tradesman's come around to your house and you've asked them to quote on something and you've bit your nails where you've bit your knuckles haven't you and gone oh my god really yeah but actually price is far forgotten afterwards when the quality is there absolutely you know the only time that people complain is when it was expensive or it was cheap and it wasn't great. Yeah, exactly. You know? Whereas somebody comes around, as I say, and you know, in all walks of life I'm talking, they do a job for you and you think, gee, whiz, can't believe how expensive it was. But you turn around and somebody walks in your house and goes, that's gorgeous, that. And you're like, yeah, it's, it's actually brilliant. It cost a bit. It, cut, it, oh God, it, it was more expensive than what I wanted, but it was brilliant. It's exactly yeah. the same across what we do, isn't it? You know, if I place a candidate, and the company comes back to me and the, the, the person's been there for two years and they produce some extra work, et cetera, et cetera, or whatever it may be, then ultimately they're happy. They're not bothered about the percentage of what they paid for it. They're happy with the fact that they've got a great employee that's helped push their business forward, produce quality work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's the whole idea of value thing as well. You know, if, if they see value in what you're doing, because what we do, you know, if, if we're delivering a web project, a lot of time and effort goes into it. We don't just download off the uh, download themes, put the logo in, and away you go. We design to specification. So, ninety-five percent of our projects are bespoke design and build. Right. So, we do a lot of work early on to ensure that that end result is exactly what the client needs and works for their business from day one. So, I'm um, just coming back to your sort of your experience in the in the field. Have you seen any changes in the in the market in the last? however long you've been running your business any anything noticeable like seo has changed unrecognizably in the last 20 years yeah moving target is that 
and it's and frustrating. Yeah, I mean, SEO is, is it's a you know, it's it's a very difficult service to convince a client to go for <laughs> because you know it's very difficult to, to to get quick tangible results. Fundamentally, you know, it's um, obviously th- there's been a Google update just this month, you know, and that's changed the way we need to do things. You know, so it's it's frustrating, but it is, it is also you know quite a good part of our business fundamentally because if the website is well optimized it then it complements everything else that you do for them as well so if you've got a well optimized website the social media is easier the pay-per-click is easier and the website just flows much better uh, but yeah i mean in terms of all the shifts and obviously recently there's been significant shift in the way that businesses are operating with covid etc i think for me a biggest shift that i've noticed is that people are coming close together in terms of the industry because I know there's a lot of companies in town now that are struggling. They've got these big fees, in, big rent fees in, in the middle of Manchester to pay for. And I think, again, a, a big change for us has been a retainer model. Um, so it's something that we've worked really hard on over the last sort of two to three years is get our, getting our retainer model to a place where we can comfortably be a little bit more selective on the, pro, on the, on the ad hoc projects that we take on. So I'm sure we've all done it back in the past. You take on every project that comes into your desk, but you no, know, early on you need to make sure that you fill filling the coffers, you've got bills to pay, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think that's a fascinating thing that you mentioned there because when you first start off, you do anything to win business, don't you? <laughs> Ultimately, you, you know, you've got to survive. It's as yeah. simple as that. However, I think actually the great skill really does fit in in what business that you actually work with. Because we talk very much about, and John mentioned there with you, the challenges, and you mentioned a couple of things. You know, if you're going to be successful, you need to work with people that want to work with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? And I think if you do that well, you know, I mean, many years ago when I, when I was involved in another recruitment business, we did a lot of RPOs and a managed service type agreements. So we took over that whole of their recruitment. And, you know, and the amount of times I stood in front of senior, senior people, you know, at the point where I was like, wow, this is interesting. <laughs> you walk in a room and you think there's going to be two people there and there's actually eight, a board of directors and, and so on. So, yeah, you walk into that room and you're like, wow, and you're a bit intimidated. But, you know, ultimately, one thing that you realize is, is that you can be as intimidated as you like. The facts remain that, you know, if you've got a really great proposition and they want that proposition and they like that proposition and they're prepared to buy from you or, more importantly, work with you. And that is the key thing. And I always used to say it to anybody, you know, if you're going to go with us and you're going to make this work, then you need to work with us. It's never going to work by us just trying to impose that on you or just one person at the top of the chain going, this is what's happening. You need to engage all the other stakeholders. And I think for me, one of the, one of the biggest things that you mentioned about sort of some of the challenges there, you know, money, you know, Google AdWords, a little information, everything. I think if you're going to be really, really successful, yes, you network as we discussed, but also... You need people to want to work with you. And if they do, I think you make it. You really make it happen, don't you? You're right. And, you know, then things like budget and money don't really come into it. You say, we want to work with you guys. What, well, obviously, they need to discuss money, but it's, it's probably the, like, maybe the last thing you discuss. Because, yeah. again, it's all about, and all about how I tell that people buy from people, but it is so true, especially in our industry, you know, and obviously your industry as well. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's crucial because I want to work with people that I like working with, whether that's staff in the office or clients. I've got clients and staff now who are mates of mine. 
because of, we've been working with them for so long, you know. Yeah. Can I bring something up, actually? You mentioned before about location and agencies in Manchester paying sort of, um, you know, having to pay the, the sort of city centre rent. You're based in Stockport. There's a lot going on in Stockport now, a lot of generation, um, you know, urban regenerations. How has that played into your business over the years? Well, Stockport for me, I mean, I'm Stockport born and bred from sins. You know, it's, Stockport is a great place to be because... There's a lot going on. There's a reason why you've got the likes of Adidas HQ. There's a reason why my uh, music Magpie stayed here. You've got the great transport links. You've got great networks going on. I mean, I'm part of marketing Stockport, uh, part of various other things that are going on around the local area. Uh, yeah, and Stockport, I mean, for me, we've got an office down in Bromsgrove as well, which is a similar sort of size town. Um, so for, for us, if we can be the best agency there is in Stockport and Bromsgrove, my box is ticked because there is so much going on around here. Yeah, and you've had obviously you've had no problems with finding talent, finding clients. None of that has been adversely back because you're not sort of a I'm going to air quote your prestigious centre of city address. Talent has been harder, um, but the fact that we are literally ten minutes from Manchester city centre on the train has sort of brought people back to us. Really, and ten um, minutes closer to London. Pardon? And ten minutes closer to London. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, but also from a client perspective, because we haven't got the big overheads, we can, in my opinion, deliver a world-class city centre service from our little office in, in Heat and Mersey. You know, so it's, it's, it's sort of the best of both worlds, really. I find it fascinating because I'm born and bred in Manchester, grown up, born in uh, at St. Mary's, but lived in Gatley, Cheadle and Bramall all my life. And uh, apart from a really short stint in Heat and Mersey, actually. Um, and, you know, I mean, we've talked a lot about it. It's fascinating what's happened to Manchester City Centre. And, you know, if you've been born and brought up here, as have I, you can't quite catch your breath on how things have changed in the city. What I'm finding quite interesting is, and I've read quite a lot about the investment that's going into Stockport. And I think, obviously, for me, it always stems from the airport. When you've got a global airport on your doorstep, there's always going to be investment coming into the area. But what's interesting for me is classic, exactly what's happened in London, is your metropolis, i.e. the centre, ends up just pushing out and out and out and out and out. And the investment needs to go. And like, you know, when I was sort of growing up and I was like, what, it's about housing Disney, but couldn't quite afford it, so I bought a house in Gatley instead, five minutes down the road. It's almost what's happening with Stockport. You know, <laughs> it's interesting when you mention Stockport's great because it makes me laugh because sometimes I'm like... God, Stockport, what a nightmare. But I've grown up there and it's still great in the respect, you know, you've got, even you've got the theatre there, you know, you've got, when they regenerate it, it's actually quite cool. You know, you've got all that area where uh, there's a restaurant called Where the Light Gets In. I don't know if any of you have been, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's great. But all that area, it's so pretty with the cobble streets and the pubs that are open. So there's quite an inconsiderable amount of investment. And the fact that every single train from London, which I'm sure we've talked about another time, John, stops at Stockport. Yeah. You know, it, it is, it's amazing, really, because actually it probably is, I mean, you could argue Wilmslow to a degree, but it's probably the first one in the, shall we say, greater Manchester area now, um, that it really stops at Stockport. You know, it doesn't go to Oldham first, does it? Or it doesn't go to those areas. It's Stockport. And am I right in, in saying there's going to be about a £1 billion regeneration programme going on? Yeah, there is. So that, around near the bus station, you know, that's all going to get flattened and then rebuilt for various retail um, housing and, and office space. Yeah, so it, it, it is going to be great. And something you mentioned there about 
Stockport as a, as a destination. Stockport was never, ever on my radar to go out for a beer, ever, between <laughs> 1990 and 2010, because you had vaults, you get your head kicked in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Whereas now, the marketplace, I've taken my wife there, it was brilliant. Where the yeah. light gets in, places like that, it is now an option. Also, I'm older, but it is, it is now a destination option. Yeah, Foodie Fridays. And didn't a major supermarket film their Christmas advert last year at the Stockport yes, Park? And, and, and Ladbrokes, uh, Ladbrokes have filmed theirs before. Yeah, and there's been various film shoots. You know, I think Peaky yeah. Blinds has done it the, the, um, in Stockport as well. So There are areas. Yeah, it is, Coco's back in my day. Coco, okay. showing your age there. <laughs> <laughs> right, can, I, can I take you on to something, a bit of a thought of experiment now, Nick, if you're yeah, right. ready for this. Just forget your own business for a second. And if someone, venture capitalist, came along and threw five million pounds down your feet, where would you invest it? And what I'm trying to get at really is where you think industry is heading. Where would you, what's, a, what's a wise investment for that kind of capital now? Well, that's interesting. Um, I'm very passionate about sport. You know, so I would love to sort of, obviously, this business won't make any money because I'm going to spend it all on going abroad watching sport. But people are paying more and more money for experiences now. You know, so for me, I would somehow create a business that would take clients to the prestige events around the world, whether it be the Ryder Cup, whether it be watching the British Lions in South Africa, whether it be the Grand Prix over in Monaco, whatever it may be, just creating an experience. And it'd be something that I suppose I, that I would enjoy rather than make money on. That, that's brilliant. I, I mean, obviously the industry has been hit, but that, that was a going on the up and up people were paying more for experiences and obviously we know where we are yeah. at the moment but hopefully we'll be back so apart from rugby which we know you're passionate about um and obviously your business is there anything else that you get into do you you coach a team or do you son's two years old so he's a bit too young to be playing at the moment you know it yeah. will be inevitable all my mates have got kids who are old and they're all involved with coaching and i mean fundamentally i'm, I'm just quite into just being outdoors i mean yeah um, I've got a Man United season ticket for all my sins. Obviously, not been for a while, and I probably won't be for a while again. But um, I'm playing rugby just about. I'm, I'm literally clutching onto my, my my rugby days. You know, it's uh, obviously not played since since March because of COVID. But you know, yeah. as soon as I am able to, I will. I, I, I now live behind the rugby club as well, so it's even. Better. I can hear the whistle now, so I can get out there as soon as they, as soon as they need me. But um, yeah, fundamentally, just being outside, as, as I alluded to early on, I, I don't really sort of sit around doing nothing. I, I get very bored very quickly. You know, so even, even when I'm on a holiday, um, I, I'm the one who might sit down for half an hour and just go for a wander, just go for a look, just go for an explorer. You know, that's the way I relax, just sort of just going out and just seeing things, really. Do you get into uh, cycling? Is that right? Over there? Yeah, so interestingly, actually, yeah. So the, um, in, between March, sorry, no, between May and September, I, I cycled further than I drove. So wow. I cycled a thousand miles in about four months, and I drove about eight hundred. <laughs> I'm trying to do the maths, but that well, definitely sounds like a lot. Yeah, to it, me. It, it's quite good numbers, but you know, it, because of the pandemic, I've got more time to do the things I want to do because yeah. I'm not sitting in the car for, for four, five, ten hours a week. You know, so you can actually get out and do it, and it's it, it's, been, it's been really interesting actually. And I suppose one thing that you know that the pandemic has made me understand is that. Is it time is more precious than than you think it is? We're the most productive we've ever been, because things like Zoom, we can have back to back meetings without any interruptions. So literally one till two, two till three, three till four. If we want that to happen back in 2019 or before the pandemic, it'd be a meeting in Manchester, an hour in between, a meeting in Brown, wherever it may be. But you, you're cutting out all the dead time of sitting in the car and travelling, which has been great for us. 
Yeah. Uh, it's quite interesting you should bring that up, actually. Um, I was talking to uh, one of my dad's friends, and if you've listened to a previous episode, my dad was very, very ill with COVID right at the start. They died mm-hmm. a couple of times, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he's fine and well now, and he's, he's, he's recuperating. He's abroad at the moment and stuff like that. But one of his friends phoned me up the other, the other day and just, you know, how's he doing? Is he all right? Is he still doing well? Blah, blah, blah. They've known each other for 50-odd years. He'd spoken to him about a month ago, but he just called me ad hoc because he was talking to me quite a lot when my dad was very ill. And um, we're talking about, and we sort of said that it's weird because not even in all his working life did he spend the time that we've had to spend with our families just in this one year. Yeah. What happened with all of us in all of our working lives, and certainly my dad's friend in all of his working life, um, was that you went on holiday with your family and you had your weekends with your family and that was it. You know, and that's what you did. You were working, even your weekend, you'd do, so if it was your own business, you'd probably do some work. I'm sure you, we all do it, don't we? As your own business, you just do. So really it was all safe for the, for the two week holiday that you had or the 10 days or whatever it was. However, in the past year, we've spent, well, certainly we spent pretty much three months continually with them because we were having to work from home. And, you know, I think, <laughs> whilst challenging at times with a, with, a, with a four-year-old and a five-year-old from my end, certainly. But equally at the same time, it's lovely to see them, you know what I mean? It's lovely that, you know, you get that time because you are at home and you do, you are able to have a bit of downtime, but downtime, which is instantaneous, really. You know, you stop doing it and the kids are there. Right, some have definitely survived better than others. It's been, it's been an eye-opener for some people to see how much work goes into looking after your kids when you're at work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, oh, oh, brilliant as well. Mm-hmm. Really good. Now, I want to ask you one more question then. Um, uh, uh, you've obviously been doing this for a few years and then there's a lot of people who have this sort of bright idea to go and start their own business, right? And maybe not thought it through or maybe they have thought it through and they've, you know, but they're, they're on the cusp of it or they're in their first year. Is there any kind of advice you would give now to either your former self or to someone starting out looking to create a, an agency digital business um, well yeah it's interesting i mean we've had a, a few guys that work for us and gone away to settle their own things they've lasted 18 months at most and then they've realized actually there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes mm. so like the day job nine to five is only part of it as as we're all aware of um, I mean, I think personally for me, you know, it, it's all about being, being very honest with yourself. You know, the only person who can make your own business a success is yourself. Even basic things like, you know, set yourself realistic objectives and, and, and goals. Where do you want to be this time next year? And don't be stupid like, I want to be driving a Ferrari and going to blah, blah, blah. Be realistic because it, it is hard craft and time flies by. Now, I can't believe we're in December already. You know, even though we've had the pandemic, this year it's flown. Two things I was taught by my, my only ever boss, really, was always take a pen to a meeting and never be late to anything, ever. I'd rather be an hour early than a minute late because I think that, is, that basic trait for me is so, so important because if, if someone's late for a meeting and don't let you know, for me, it's, well, you, you don't really care that much. You know? And I suppose a, a, another thing is also, surround, as I've already touched on, surround yourself with good people. My... My first ever boss, he, he sold his company for m- multiple millions. Uh, I was 21 at the time, very wet behind the ears. I just asked him, you know, what, what was your secret? He went, have a set of kahunas and always have good people around you. Pay people 
for their skills and, and trust them to do their job. Brilliant. Can, I, can, I, can I jump in there, John? Because I'd like to answer that question as well, because I think, uh, you know, Nick is absolutely on the money for me there. You know, you are only as good as the people around you. Um, but when you first start off, you know, I went from a, I'd grown a, a, an agency with, with a couple of other people massively, you know, we'd gone from myself owning a very small part of it and growing that particular part massively, another colleague, the same, and only four people in the original business. And, um, we'd grown it from this tiny little infant baby, you know, born to a degree, even though it had sort of been around for a little while, um, to 140 people. Wow. And it became this this beast in the respect that you had all of these people around you and, you know, you were very much sort of crunching numbers and this person would do this and this person would do that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I left and I gave myself six months off to get myself together and decide what I wanted to do and decided that I wanted to set up my own business. And then I walked back into doing something that I'd not done hands-on for 10 years earlier. And the cultural shock to me or the mental shock or however you want to describe it was actually I was having to do all the stuff that I've been telling other people to do. Yeah. And I think that what happens is, is when you first set up your business and you first start your business, um, you are, it's as much about your own personal motivation, which is why I think elite sports people or very competitive people do very, very well, mm. because actually they used to go in that extra mile and working that little bit harder and doing that extra bit of training. And that self-motivation is so, 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 so important but there afterwards, once you've sort of built it a little bit, then it becomes the most important thing is the people around you. And yeah. you, I'm not saying that you're irrelevant because you still have to have that drive and that determination and that leadership to take people forward. Yeah. But you are only as good as those people around you. You know, and I think that's one thing that you really, really learn. The more you allow people to express their own freedom and come up with the ideas, as Denise, I'm sure, will vouch for me. <laughs> Um, you know, the more you'll do that. So for me, I think you're absolutely on the money with that. Sorry, John, on a waffle there, was I? No, I, I was just thinking about um, the, about the, the sports side of it. I think that's really interesting because in sport, you have to 100% trust the people around you to do their job, particularly rugby. I don't know a lot about sport and anyone who knows me will tell you that. But you look at rugby and everyone has a role and everyone has to do their part. Otherwise, it all falls apart. Totally. You know, um, it's, it's a very, te- it's more of a team sport than than a lot of sports. Exactly, yeah. I mean, uh, the rugby analogy, I mean, I play out on the wing, so, you know, I'm still a good-looking lad, you see, so, you know, it's important. Um, but I've got, you know, some very close friends of mine are in the front row. There is no way I could possibly do their role. There's no way they could possibly do my role. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Nick Rowe, uh, Platform 81, thank you very much for coming on and um, talking to us today and also listening and throwing your ideas around. Hopefully some advice there for anyone uh, dreaming of starting their own business. I hope they uh, think about it carefully um, and anyone running their own business has some, some brilliant advice there. Thanks again. Cheers, Nick. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you.